everyone, and welcome to EFG, LFG, PST. This is a World of Warcraft podcast for casual fans. My name is Stephen Dutzman. I'm your host, as always. And once again, I am joined by one of my favorite people on this planet, my friend of far too damn long, Dana Brown. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. I tried to explain to myself how long I have known you, and I couldn't even do it. We've been, we, I've known you since, I've known you since it was possible for your parents to say, no, I may not come get you and bring you to an event. Right. That's how long. Uh, that is how long like I have known you. Barely legal then. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they were like, no, this strange man that you've never <laughs> met in real life and his brother are not going to pick you up in Connecticut and bring you to New Jersey. What is wrong with you? In retrospect, <laughs> we didn't understand it then because we weren't parents. But now that we are, we're like, yeah, that makes total sense. Yep. They made the right call. Yeah. Um, I do still tend to uh, throw it in their faces every once in a while that I, you know, we've hung out multiple times and we do this now and uh, I've met your kids and you've met mine and everything. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, remember that guy that you thought was a total creeper? Yeah. He's like fully in my life now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, they have met me. I introduce myself as that guy and I still fully support their decision. Yeah. I just didn't think any, it never occurred to me in that the person that you met on World of Warcraft would be sketch because, well, I know myself, obviously, but yeah, it's a it's a thing. I, I'm sure we'll talk more about that as time goes on, you know, when we need to make up topics. But man, <laughs> do we have plenty of stuff to talk about now. Last week, we talked about the Venthyr. We had a little bit of a goth rave in the podcast. This week, we're going to get a little bit darker and talk about zombies for the day. Yes, folks, we're going to talk about the Necrolords and Maldraxxus. How exciting is that, Dana? I mean, this is an interesting area for sure. I'm a little intrigued on this one, not going to lie. Me too. So here's what's really funny about this one, folks. I generally don't like zombie aesthetics. The Plaguelands back in vanilla were my least favorite places. Yeah. So when I heard that there was going to be a whole zone that was just more of that concentrated and crazy, I was somewhat concerned. What, did, what, what were your thoughts when you first heard that Maldraxxus was one of the four places we were going? So after seeing kind of like the aesthetic of all of the places, this admittedly was kind of my least favorite place because I hate spiders and bugs and creepy death stuff. And like you, the Plaguelands was one of my least favorite places to be. So this being Plaguelands 2.0 was a little like, really? Like, do we really have to do this? But in the aesthetic of the, the Necrolords, Maldraxxus makes sense. It does. Totally makes sense. And, and and I think that that's the big piece, is that it's not my favorite. But we're in the afterlife. So it makes sense that the birthplace of necromancy would be here. So lore-wise, interesting fun fact, and we'll talk about some of the you know some of that before we get into the mechanics. Lore-wise, Maldraxxus is the military, which is kind of interesting. This is where if somebody's coming into the Shadowlands to cause a problem, which apparently happens, we're going to find out all about that during the expansion, I am sure. It's Maldraxxus that sends its army of whatever they send to solve those problems. Abominations. They're they're abominations, zombies, various slimes, I am sure. I think part of it is I really just don't like slimes. (laughs) 
they're just the noise they make and like it's just gross. But they are the military. So this is a place where might makes right and only the strongest survive and go figure. Everything is pretty strong. And their dungeon is what's it called, Dana? Uh, Theater of Pain. Which just sounds like a heavy metal album. Yes, if we're does. being if we're being real <laughs> with each other. This feels like undead paradise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I actually read some speculation from a couple of YouTubers and I didn't bring I completely forgot to bring this up to you in our pre-show meeting. The speculation that I read is that it is possible that over the course of the questing in Maldraxxus, that it's possible they may add another class to the game for the next expansion that is a necromancer. Ooh, that sounds exciting. I thought that was interesting speculation, if for nothing else, because speculating on new things like a new class would be awesome. Right. My, I love theory crafting and junk like that. Obviously, a necromancer would be a cloth class. Obviously. Which would be, I guess they don't have to be, but I think it makes sense. And so it would be another cloth class. But a lot of the stuff that you would think a necromancer would do, there's already warlocks that do a very similar thing. Because you would think that it would be a, a pet class or at least somewhat similar to Death Knights who do yeah. necromancer shenanigans. So that's the thing that gives me pause is I don't know what design space they could get into to make necromancers happen. But they got smart people there, smarter than me. So maybe they could do it. I was just curious on, you know, what the difference between a warlock and a necromancer would be. But I guess if it's like a necromancer is if a death knight and a warlock had a baby, maybe. Yeah. Well, in and this is totally going to sound crazy in Super Smash Brothers, <laughs> they have what are called Echo Fighters, which are Ryu and Ken. I'm sorry, Ryu and Ken, right, where they are largely the same, but they have very slight differences in some of their moves and a lot of the cosmetics, right? So what if... The Necromancer was whatever the World of Warcraft. You know, we have allied races where they are kind of just different version. Some of them are kind of different versions of existing races. What if a Necromancer was just an echo of a warlock where it's more or less a warlock, but their imp is it looks different and they're blueberry is different and then maybe they have a few different class you know class abilities to balance it out but more or less a necromancer is just it's a warlock they're just different i think that's one way that they could do it and then that gives them a bunch of flexibility with all the other classes you know what i mean what do you think about that does that seem like something does that sound like something they, they would do do you think people would care if they made literally just a cut co- if they made it just I a mean, warlock with a cosmetic difference there's there's always people who are going to complain in this game i mean let's be real but i think it depends on which way they go with it if they just kind of make it an echo where it's like basically the same thing it just ends up being like almost a fourth spec of warlock option i don't know how 
viable that would be. But mm-hmm. if it's kind of like a demon hunter versus a rogue where there's more versatility in the class, yeah. it, it could get interesting. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's, it's making me think more along the lines of, like, Dungeons and Dragons, of, like, Warlocks versus Necromancers and stuff. So, we'll see. Yes. Yeah, it'll be, it will be interesting. I mean, they could... This is all speculation. So, very yeah. likely, nothing like that will happen. And that's certainly fine with me. I don't mind. But we like to theory craft silly things. If you hear this and you're like, wow, I have an idea how they could do that, please tweet at us at EFGLFGPST or send us an email EFGLFGPST at engagefamilygaming.com. We would love to hear your thoughts. So the one thing that I'm hoping with this zone is that it looks nicer than the Plague Lands. And I'm sure it will. Like, I'm sure it will. But it feels like it's going to be a lot of brown and green and just kind of like puke. And mushrooms and, I, and spider webs. And- yeah. Oh, man, there's going to be mad spiders here. <laughs> just, just all sorts of spiders. So, I mean, I guess that's just part of what we deal with. That's my only hope. Now, th- when they described it in their live streams, they said that their intention is to make it look like a heavy metal album cover from the 80s, which I know you don't remember, and that's okay. <laughs> Listen, I've listened to my fair share of heavy metal from the 80s, just, you know, okay. in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was in your retro phase. So the so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the whole zone plays out. Uh, the dungeon itself, having watched some videos of what the dungeon looks like, the dungeon is insane. It really does just, it's all industrial and crazy, and it just looks like a heavy metal album cover. If that was their design aesthetic they were going for, they have clearly succeeded. So people are choosing these covenants for the abilities. So let's talk about the abilities everybody gets, because starting this week, there are two. And then we will break it down to the rest of it. All right. So the signature ability, or the, just the one that everybody gets, carte blanche, is called Fleshcraft. So you form a shield of flesh and bone over four seconds that absorbs damage amount to some percentage of your health for two minutes. Uh, channeling a near corpse, uh, channeling near a corpse, claims their essence to grow the shield up to 50% of your maximum health. This is most effective against powerful enemies. So to me, this seems like a really good melee raid ability. Yeah, that's what this feels like to me. This feels like a tanky thing. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. This is this feels like a really cool tank ability. This feels like it is very well suited for your you are right for aggressive characters in Mythic Plus or in Raid for the tank. Because a two-minute cooldown really means that you're using it every pull. In fact, in in some fights in a raid, you might be using it multiple times if you have the capacity to do so, which is where I think it would be useful for you know a ranged character. Like I could imagine a hunter really liking having a pretty significant damage shield every two minutes, and all they have to do is kill an ad. And I think back to like Nihilotha, which admittedly I haven't done on heroic or mythic, but there's enough fights with ads at least incidental ones Mm -hmm. that I feel like there's enough to go around where I would be able to use that 
to get the big buff. But at the very least, I get, you know, a 20% damage shield, which is pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. So that's the, the Covenant ability. Everybody gets that no matter what you do. The other thing we just found out, and this was actually just revealed in, I, I think, one of the more recent patch notes, is that the Covenants have abilities in their dungeon. So basically each Covenant has their own zone, and in each zone there is kind of their own dungeon. And so if you are Maldraxxus and you go into the Theater of Pain, then you get a buff inside that dungeon, yep. which is kind of awesome. Yeah. What is the ability for the Necrolords, Dana? So basically... There, so when you go into the Theater of Pain and you're a Necrolord in different parts of the dungeon, there's three Necrolord banners. And mm-hmm. if you interact with the banner, it gives you a five-minute buff for all party members, which basically gives everybody 10% versatility and 10% movement speed, which is hella cool. Not gonna lie. I am a very big fan of that. Now, when I first read this, I didn't realize it was tied to banners. I just thought they just entirely for the entire thing <laughs> had 10%. And then I was like, oh man, this is just that required reading. So crazy. And that means that you just could, you had to have a Maldraxxus person. I mean, it's like if you had a five man crew doing mythic pluses, yeah. you basically just had to have one person in each of the covenants just to, to deal with it. But 10% versatility is no joke because that's, you know, a flat 10% DPS increase and a 10% movement speed and also reduced damage. So all around, it's great. So next, let's talk about the class abilities because that has been what I have found the most fascinating so far, talking about the two covenants that we have dealt with so far. We did do the smart thing. And that is we split up the classes in some logical manner so we didn't have to understand the core mechanics of literally every class in the game. You're welcome, Dana. But also you're welcome, Steve, because I'm based. I feel like I'm a foreign exchange student talking about World of Warcraft and like WoW culture. Non sequitur. But today I had to ask. I think I misunderstood what people were talking about. Someone found a pair of plate shoulders they have been looking for for many years for a transmog. And then someone immediately said to them, you need to make a mog for that. And for me, in my head, I was like, but he already has the mog for that because he found the item. And it turns out that what they were really saying is you need to make a whole like ensemble to match it. Yeah. And I did not know that phrase. So I had to ask and everyone was like really confused while I was asking. And I was like, no, you guys don't understand. I want to know the language because I feel and because I, I feel like I understand English, right? But I don't know what we're talking about. And gotta get hip to the lingo, Steve. I gotta get hip to the lingo. I don't think hip to I don't Listen, I don't think we get hip to anything. Just, just go with it. Just go with it. So covenant class abilities. I've got a list and we're going to start with death knights, which is one of my classes. So death knights, they have an ability called abomination limb where at no cost once every two minutes. So you will do this every two minutes, period. 
it has an you sprout an additional limb for 12 seconds and every one second it deals some amount of attack power it says 20 percent of your attack power i don't think these numbers are real but whatever it deals some amount of attack power shadow damage to all nearby enemies and pulls an enemy to your location if they are further than eight yards from you this is 100 percent an aoe dps ability this is great for tanks this is great for damage this is gonna be great for farming you know, there's plan. no cost to it. There's no runic power that you need for this. It's just like, Correct. Ah, this is happening. Which means you will use it every, this will be used every two minutes. There right. is no reason not to. And right now it does 20% of your attack power damage every second for 12 seconds, mm-hmm. which means it's going to do, you know, 200 plus percent of your attack power in damage, which is a lot for no power. This is just an ability that you hit and there's no cost to it. There's literally no downside. So I am a very big fan of this ability. I think it is. It's What I like about it is that it is very simple. A lot of these skills, like from Kyrian and from, you know, whatever are they require like thought right it's like when do i use this what is this for this ability is very clear and it feels like an easy button for me and i don't mean that as an insult this is okay i'm playing a death knight i gotta use this thing and i'm gonna use it every two minutes and there's never a reason not to although i'm sure some like super skilled death knight players are gonna be like well actually steve but kind of people that are listening to this podcast so it's they are not fine. the people the, the people that are here are gonna be that like, great so i have my necromantic night guy and i get button. to throw another arm i push the shiny button Side exactly. note, have you seen what the limb looks like it is a tentacle cool. i did not <laughs> it is an octopus or a nazoth type tentacle it's that's cool i guess i mean i shoulder. i would have liked a i would have liked a skeletal one Something like that, but that would have been cool. And maybe this is just like a for now it is a Nazoth tentacle because that's what we know right now. And it could become a bone hand, which would be cool. Blizzard, if you're listening. But to me, like in my brain, I thought like it's just like this weird actual like human pimp hand that just like pops out (laughs) and just smacks some enemies around for 12 seconds. And so really only have eight seconds of downtime if you're doing uh, extended DPS. This is cool. I am a fan. So that is the Death Knight. Next is Demon Hunter, another one of mine, right? I, I own Demon Hunters. Yep. Yeah, good. Okay, good. I don't. I didn't forget. So they have now. This one's actually kind of cool. It's called Fodder to the Flame. You commission a duel to the death against a condemned demon from the theater of pain vanquishing that foe releases its demon soul and creates a pool of demon blood that lasts for 30 seconds fighting within that pool increases your attack speed by 20 percent and reduces the damage the enemies deal to you by 10 flesh craft treats the condemned demon as a powerful enemy so this is a very cool and when i first read this i was like oh man you're you're gonna like summon a demon it's gonna be this really weird way to start a fight and then i remembered that most of the time when you are playing a demon hunter you are killing many many things so i feel like i'm just gonna drop this demon and back up a little bit and then blow it up with an eye beam and then gain all these superpowers and abilities and it works whether I'm a tank or whether I'm a DPS, because the reality is 
a 20% uh, a 10% damage reduction is good even if you're DPSing and 20% attack speed is really really good mm-hmm. especially for them so I kind of dig this ability I think it's I think it's neat I hope it's cool because I hope like the different demons are different shapes and forms I think that would be different every time it came out yeah so like something random I mean it it might not be it in fact it probably won't be but it it could be interesting yeah interesting all right so next see that being a big thing for a lot of demon hunters if they choose this yeah, I mean, it, this is – it's an instant cast on a two-minute cooldown. So you're going to be summoning a lot of these guys, and I can absolutely imagine doing it. I have a Demon Hunter, and generally, even when she is in, like, big extended duration fights, which actually happens a lot. You know, I mainly use her for world quests. And, you know, if we're if you're fighting, like, the Blighted Monstrosity in near Waycrest or something like that, where it's just a long fight because it's got a million hit points, mm. this is one of those things that I'm going to – pop it right at the beginning of the fight and I'll be able to do it in the middle that and again that 10% damage reduction will go a long way and 20% attack speed it's great and especially considering the amount of leech that demon hunters tend to stack 20% attack speed really just equates to a reasonable amount of healing which I didn't even think about that but I know a lot of demon hunters have leech you can spec into improve oh, yeah. leech and things like that so I almost feel like this would help me fill my health back up in certain situations. So that is the Demon Hunter. How about that Druid? Let's think about the zombie Druid for a oh, minute. Zombie First off, druids. That is a weird uh, let's, think about how, let's think about how gross it is, but I think the ability is <laughs> kind of neat. What do we got here? All right. So Druids get a, what's called Adaptive Swarm. So you command a swarm that heals for some ridiculous amount or deals a lesser ridiculous amount of shadow damage over 12 seconds to a target and then increases the effectiveness of your periodic effects on them by 20%. Upon expiration, travels to a new target within 25 yards, alternating between friend and foe up to three times. So this is this is an interesting one. So when I was trying to figure out where all of my like top five characters were going to go, yep. this was one of the ones that I was kind of like, maybe? But it feels really just wrong to put a druid in in like the zombie place <laughs> when especially when there's night fake. but anyway this is kind of cool because it kind of helped in both respects it helps do damage and healing so yep. it's it's definitely like if dps druids you know can get on the healing meters a little bit and help you know through some of the fights or even the healing druids get on the damage meters and you know, kind of help push past breakpoints this is this is pretty cool yeah i'm a big fan of it i mean the big key with druids is they you know they need to be versatile and the power for druids needed to be versatile this works and you're casting it on a 25 second cooldown so this right. is going to be a heavy part of the druids rotation and that is absolutely okay so so the next one is hunter and they get metal blades from mega man 2 everybody that's really all i got <laughs> they get metal blades from mega man 2 so it's called death chakram you throw a deadly chakram at your current target that will rapidly deal 50 percent of your attack power obviously numbers are all made up shadow damage seven times bouncing to other targets if they are nearby each time the chakram deals damage its damage is increased by 15 percent you generate three focus so clearly this 
is if you shoot it off, it has no focus cost. It's a 40 yard range, which is the standard range for hunters. And it has a 45 second cooldown. So this will obviously just become another instant shot in your cooldown that you will use. But this is one of those ones that you really want to prioritize if you are fighting multiple targets. I'm sure the super smart theory crafters over at like Icy Veins or something will tell me how many enemies need to be in an area for me to prioritize this over, say, multi-shot or something like that. They'll tell me. That's the good news. It will be very clear. And I hope the visual on this one, I didn't look up a YouTube video, but I hope the visual on this is cool. And this is going to be great for soloing or for grinding. You know, if you take your character into this and you are, you know, trying to do gold farms, maybe old world content, etc. The fact that this can bounce off of different things. I hope that since these are targets that bounce from one to the other, that this won't be AOE, quote unquote. So it won't be AOE capped. So you can really can hit seven enemies with this thing. And as a way to kind of get around the AOE cap, which would be pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's Hunters. They have death chakrams. <laughs> All right. So next up is Mage. They get what's called Deathborn. So basically you, beget, you get to become a like a Metal Lord Skeletal Mage, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is awesome. So you turn into a powerful Skeletal Mage for 20 seconds. And while in that form, your Frostbolt, Fireball, and Arcane Blast hit up to two enemies near your target. And your spell damage is increased by 10%. This seems like one of those, like, you hit hero and you just blow all your cooldowns and you go. Yeah, so you guys lost mirror image as a DPS boost in the in the in the new expansion. That's like one of the class the one of the class changes is that the the mirror image is no longer a DPS thing, it's a defensive thing. Mm-hmm. So this feels like for those who choose to take the Necrolords, this feels like it almost kind of replaces mirror image because you can hit multiple targets with your fireballs and frostbolts maybe that's that's how i'm reading it too which was why this was a heavily considered thing for my mage yeah Yeah, this this looks like it'll be fun yeah absolutely and three minute cooldown again you're using this at you know whenever a hero is up and even when it's not this is just a standard damage cooldown I am excited to see that, and I'm sure the visual is awesome. I, I know they don't do glyphs anymore, but this is one that feels like it would be cool for a glyph where you could have alternate forms. Maybe they'll bring those back. So next is Monk, which is also one of your That's people. Also me. All right, so Monks get Bone Dust Brew. So you hurl a brew created from the bones of your enemies at the ground, which just sounds metal in itself. Uh, Coating all the targets struck for 10 seconds. Um, Your abilities have a 15% chance to affect the target a second time at 25% of the effectiveness as shadow damage or healing. Mm -hmm. So if you're a mist weaver, gust of mists heals targets with your bone dust brew active for an additional some amount of, uh, of attack power. Brewmaster, Tiger Palm, and Keg Smash reduces the cooldown of your brews by additional 1%, 1%, 1 second, when striking enemies with your Bone Dust Brew active. Mm-hmm. Basically, it just kind of like gets everything back faster for you, which is kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. And then Windwalkers, Spinning Crane Kick refunds one chi when striking enemies with your Bone Dust Brew active. Again, it just kind of allows you to build up 
to, to put more out, which is pretty great. And it's so, only a one minute cooldown. Like that is ridiculous. That is going to go into the rotation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for Windwalkers, Palm Strike generates two. And so in order to climb, normally you have to punch and then do the roundhouse kick, which only costs one. And so you can't use the spinning crane kick and gain cheat. So it so it limits your AOE. So you have to build a little bit. This makes it so that you can AOE better yeah. as a monk because you can actually build the chi towards your higher end combos while using spinning crane kick earlier, which is pretty cool. I don't know anything about the tanking one, but the as far as the healing one, man, listen, being able to just chuck a beer at the tank and heal them better right. sounds like a pretty awesome ability. And it's having flex very, very on brand. <laughs> it's very on brand. And also having flexibility on who gets extra healing. Like in a in a mythic or in mythic dungeons, obviously that's gonna be prioritized towards the tank. However, in a raid, you know, it there's something to be said about having the ability to buff an off tank if they need it. Because maybe they don't, you know, they're clearly not the MT, but maybe you need some, maybe you just need that little bit of flexibility. Being able to control who gets it is a pretty big deal. So I approve of that mess. So what do we got next? It's Paladins. Oh, well, that's I mean, you. <laughs> that's me. That is me. So Paladins get Vanquisher's Hammer. So you throw a hammer at your target that deals some amount of spell power shadow damage and empowering your next. And it's a spell that depends based on uh, your spec. So if you are a Retribution Paladin, it makes it so that the next time you use Templar's Verdict, it automatically divines storms. So as a Retribution Paladin, you build up your holy power, use Templar's Verdict, and normally you have to choose between Templar's Verdict and Divine Storm. Normally you have to choose. In this case, it makes it so whenever you do Vanquisher's Hammer, which you do every 30 seconds, it means that the next time you Templar's Verdict, you get a Divine Storm also, which is just bananas for the DPS. Holy, it means that your Word of Glory automatically triggers Light of Dawn, which again, this is normally something that you would have to choose, and you ain't got to choose no more. And protection, your word of glory, which you are generally triggering on your on yourself, it triggers shield of the righteous, which is an ability where basically you heal yourself and then you punch your opponent. And again, this would be a choice that you guys would need to make, if for nothing else, because they're on separate global cooldowns. And so since they trigger off of themselves, that means you kind of get them both, which is without having to pay the holy power cost and you get it without having to spend a without having to spend the holy power. That is awesome. This is the come to the dark side. We have cookies. For this power. is absolutely come to the dark side. We have cookies. I'm still not going to do it because divine toll <laughs> is way too awesome. However, this is absolutely a treat for just the, the paladins that happen to come here. You definitely get the free stuff. And because this is, this is a really cool ability. I think this would, if you take that ability, the word of glory automatically triggering shield of the righteous, like they are, already global cooldown starved. That's their whole trick is they are constantly jamming buttons. Mm -hmm. Being able to get a button for free, especially when the ability that triggers it helps 
generate threat because it's going to, you know, you're throwing a hammer and dealing some amount of shadow damage, which is not physical, which is just it's another kind of damage to deal, which is cool. But the fact that you get an extra button for free next time is a very big deal. This is a very big deal for Paladin tanks, specifically when you consider how tanky some of the other abilities are. This is going to be a lot of fun. Again, you know, this is a podcast for casual fans. And sometimes we need like easy buttons or like the obvious pick because, you know, we're not going to be necessarily grinding for, you know, legendaries in every slot. But here we are. This is a pretty good. This is pretty good. If you're a paladin, you like to tank. This is a pretty good option. Next are priests. And that is a ranged character. So that is you. That is me. All right. So priests get unholy Nova. So it's an explosion of dark energy that heals allies within 15 yards for some amount and infects enemies with what's called unholy transfusion, which basically deals a ton of shadow damage over 15 seconds. Um, and allies who damage this target are healed for a percentage of your spell power. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. So this is like everybody gets to be a shadow priest. Yep. Yep, pretty much. But that's to be expected if you're a priest that joins up with the necromancers. That's fair. I mean, this is this is just really cool. And it it just makes sense that they call it an unholy Nova. So, yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. I can't wait to see this in effect. I think this would be perfect for a lot of priests. So I think a lot of people are really going to dig this and they do love some AOE healing and damage. So next is Rogue. OK, and that one is me. Yep. So they get serrated bone strike. So uh, you embed a bone spike in the target, dealing some amount of attack power, bleed damage every three seconds until they die. It deals 60% of attack power damage and generates one combo point per active bone bone spike. It refunds one charge when the target dies or is healed to full. And this awards one combo point. So this is a, you know, obviously it's a melee ranged. It costs 10 energy. So this is a decent like starter, right? And it is, but it has a 30 yard range and a 30 second recharge. So this is something you are definitely going to start a fight with. You know, you can pull things, which is kind of interesting. And I will be honest, I don't really understand how best to use this. This is going to be one of those ones where if I have a rogue that is in here, I'm going to let the smart people over at Icy Veins tell me exactly how to work this into my combo. Just like we dealt with the Venthyr, the rogue one is going to be a very specific build and a very specific you know, set up and rotation that just the math nerds will figure it out. <laughs> but it sounds cool. It it's appropriate. You stab them with a, a serrated bone and bleed them. Yeah. All right. So next is Shaman. That's me. All right. So Shamans get Primordial Wave, which blasts your target with the Primordial Wave, dealing a very complicated thing of shadow damage and applying a flame shock to an enemy. Or if you're a resto, it'll heal an ally for that same amount and apply a riptide. Or if you're elemental or enhancement, it'll heal an ally for that amount. So it'll do flame shock and heal, or it'll 
Flame Shock, Heal, and Riptide, which is our hop. And then on top of that, your next Lava Burst, Lightning Bolt, or Healing Wave, depending on your spec, will also hit all targets affected by your Flame Shock or Riptide. So basically, it is kind of like the Glimmer spec of how Paladins are now in Shaman form, which is kind of cool. This one, I will also admit, has been on my radar for my Shaman. Glimmer spec is pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Glimmer spec is pretty fun as a Paladin healer. So next is Warlock. That is also you. That's also me. All right, so Warlocks get Decimating Bolt. So it hurls a bolt of Decimating Magic at your target, dealing some amount of damage, and increasing the damage of your next three Shadow Bolts by 200%. The Decimating Bolt's damage and the bonus to the Shadow Bolt both increase your target's health over time. It's like a new Chaos Bolt for for Warlocks. It's like a second option. So it's it's this ramping damage where you, you hit it, and it increases subsequent Shadow Bolts by 200%. And then it also compounds uh, as, like, your target's health goes down. So it's sure. just, it's like, as they get weaker, you get stronger, which is pretty cool. It's got a 45-second cooldown, so this is going to be one, another one of those ones that's just going to fit right into the rotation for those Chaos Bolton fools. And, yeah, that looks pretty, uh, that looks pretty fun. All right, so lastly... Warriors. That would be me. So, Warriors get an ability called Conqueror's Banner. So, you brandish the banner of the Necrolords for two minutes, increasing your movement speed by 10% and causing. It's a different ability for each spec. So, if you are arms, you get Mortal Strike. Fury, you get Raging Blow. And Protection, you get Shield Slam. What happens is when you have the banner up, those abilities grant you glory. So, killing an enemy grants two stacks of glory. And reactivating the ability plants the banner on the ground, gaining 20% maximum health and 50% attack speed to you and four allies within 15 yards of the banner. It lasts two seconds per glory up to 30 seconds. So the idea is basically you pull out the ability once and you charge it up using your, you know, using your abilities and killing enemies. And then you drop it down and you get a bunch of extra health and attack speed. And 50% attack speed is insanity. And it's also worth mentioning that this does not have the standard like heroism text. So if the, if people were assuming that this was just like another hero, it is not. So this is another way where, you know, if you have a warrior that is in Necrolords, you can plan to use the banner on a specific boss. For example, a boss, you know, maybe you hero on the first boss, then you banner on the second one, and then maybe you have hero back up to be able to use it on the last one. And that's pretty awesome to kind of add some extra speed. And the fact that you can do this with a tank is pretty impressive. This all the more leads me to believe that my warrior, now that I'm leveling one, is going to find his way into the Necrolords. So that's all the class abilities. I got to say, they are flavorful. Mm-hmm and cool did any of these really just did did our discussions really sell you on any of these abilities for any of your you know five or six characters that were going to be uh, taken across the finish line next expansion i mean it has definitely 
definitely made a couple like this is the top two option. I gotta yeah. I gotta really kind of feel out all of them and I'm You gotta really, make a spreadsheet, don't you? Oh yeah. I don't really already have one. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Anyway, but I really like the fact that they are making you kind of go through all of these and test them all out before you choose. Mm-hmm. Because going into all of these cold, you're basically going to have to just kind of guess on theory crafting. Like, hey, I hear that Resto Shamans are supposed to be here, so I guess I'm going to go here. And then you're like, man, this is not the way that I play Resto Shaman. This is kind of crap. What the heck? And whereas, like, if you actually play them and you figure out which one best fits your play style, then you're more comfortable choosing which covenant you want to be in. Well, one thing that's worth mentioning is you can change. That's the nice thing, yes. So, yeah, I I don't know how early in their design process they decided to implement the ability to kind of switch. And so the way it works is you choose a faction and the first faction that you choose, you get to hop into at, quote unquote, no cost because it's part of the deal. Right. But you can leave a covenant and go to another one and you can even go back. But switching is not trivial. Like it's a it's a big deal because they're like, oh, you left us already, you jerk. <laughs> yeah, there's a Why little bit doing of that? guilt and resentment there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that's definitely a little passive aggressive from these different crews. And you know what? I'm OK with that. So what they don't want you to do is change your covenant every week. But if you get into a covenant and say, you know what, these soul binds aren't doing it for me, whatever. The only downside is you start all the way back at zero with renown. And so renown is probably going to be the big limiting factor here because your renown determines what you can do with the soul binds, which is the next thing we're going to talk about because we know every covenant comes with three soul binds that you can play with. And you and I spent a whole bunch of time talking about these soul binds in the beginning. The Necrolords have three. They have Plague Divisor Merilith. They have Ameni. And they have Bonesmith Airmere. And so the renown is what determines how far down these trees you get to go. And they're pretty significant, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, you and I were talking about the kind of like the the ultimates, uh, the end parts of the trees in all of these, and they're all pretty badass. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're actually called ultimates, but I'm like totally stealing that from other games. And so just kind of going through it. And what, what I think we're going to do is rather than freak out about the whole tree, you know, we can talk about the top bottom and anything exciting in the beginning. So at the yeah. top of the tree, the ability everybody gets, you have no choice. If you're with Plague Divisor Merilith, you have an ability called Volatile Salt which is using fleshcraft with nearby corpses derives a benefit from the corpse differing on the creature's type. Let me get to a list because there is a list somewhere. I was going to say, there's probably a list somewhere. Yes, there is in fact. With Volatile Solvent, if it is a beast, you get a 2% to your primary stat. If it's an elemental, you get 2% magic damage done. If it's an aberration, you get 5% armor. If it's a critter, you get a 50% size decrease. If it's mechanical, you take minus 5% damage. You get a 5% magic damage taken reduction. So you're the amount of damage you take goes down. If you if it's an undead, killing an enemy heals you for 5% of your maximum health. I have a feeling that that will be very much used quite heavily. Uh, humanoids, you get 2% mastery increase. 
And for if it's a totem, you get an you get a haste increase. Oh. If it's a demon, you get a stamina increase. If it's a dragonkin, you get critical strike. If it's a giant, you get a five percent physical damage increase and a ten percent size increase. And if it's a gas cloud, you get a twenty five percent visibility reduction. Gas um, cloud. Yeah. So. Uh, um, So, yeah, this is one of those things you're going to have to kind of figure out what to do. You're going to have to – it's going to depend on what you're doing, and there are a lot of dungeons that have very diverse creature types, like The Other Side, uh, which is my favorite dungeon name of all time. (laughs) And that has beasts and aberrations and undead. It's all over the place. So you're going to be able to take advantage of that. And you honestly, you're supposed to. It wants you to use that and consume corpses. So his ability ultimately – his ult his ability ultimate form apparently your crowd control ability is tied to the damage shield so it says that it's time but it's actually tied to the length of the shield so if you've got a big old shield you got that so that's actually kind of awesome yes uh so the next guy a many is a abomination yeah. Just straight up, he's a big old magic abomination with a crown on his head. So uh, one of them, one of his abilities is Ameni's Magnificent Skin, where activating your Necrolord class ability increases your maximum health by 5% for 30 seconds. The So that would be, you know, this is not the Covenant ability. This is the class ability. So again, this is the tanky one, because if you are the tank using your tank class ability, extra 5% health is great for 30 seconds is even better. And a many's ambulatory flesh, you may channel fresh flesh craft while moving. This is one of those things that I think, and again, assuming you're a tank taking the Necrolords, in the beginning, you're going to want all the health that you can possibly get. But eventually, we're going to have plenty of hit points, right? You know, now we're all kitted out, you know, 470 eye-level tanks. You know, there are some druids that have a million hit points, right? And so, you know, necessarily, that 5% doesn't make that big of a difference. But being able to channel Fleshcraft while moving is pretty awesome because it's got a four-second cast. Being able to do that while you are running forward to make pulls, especially if you're a druid where you basically have to face pull. That's uh, pretty awesome. And his ultimate is embody the construct, which is after using 60 spells or abilities, your next flesh craft will deal some amount of attack power, shadow damage to up to five nearby enemies over the duration and heal up to five nearby en- allies with both of which generate threat. This is great. I, I really think druid tanks are going to love this, right? Yeah. You're just going to be sitting there swiping, mauling, biting, doing whatever shenanigans they do. And every, what, minute and a half, two minutes or so, which will happen several times within a fight or probably oh, yeah. two two times-ish for some of these big fights with Mythic Plus bosses. And you get to heal, give everybody a little boost of healing. And the – which is boosted based off your attack power, which is going to be pretty high. So it's probably going to be a pretty decent heal and you do damage to everything, which when you're AOEing everything, that's great. And frankly, it's after using 60 spells or abilities. So since I'm presuming that this is going to, that counter is going to drop when you're out of combat 
And guess what you don't ever do when you're in Mythic Pluses? Drop out of combat, really. So that's going to be pretty freaking awesome. It might even persist through combat. Who really knows? So, uh, yeah, I really dig that. And the last one is Bonesmith Hair Mirror. And I realize that I am talking a lot, but I'm just very excited about the tanky one. Why don't you, because I'm just really excited about that guy, because I've decided that I'm going to have a Necromancer tank, and I'm just very excited about it. Tell me about Bonesmith Hair Mirror. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but he's cool looking. He is pretty cool looking. So the top two of his tree are serrated spalders, which basically inflicts some amount of shadow damage to your attacker over five seconds when hit at melee range. So basically this is a eye for an eye type of deal where it's like you hit me, I hit you back because I have spiky shoulders. The second one is resourceful flesh crafting. So Mm -hmm. defeating an enemy reduces flesh crafts cooldown by one second. So basically you go do a bunch of AOE on like trash pull or just mobs with the boss or whatever. And then all of a sudden Fleshcraft comes up a lot faster. And then the ultimate for this one is Forge, Bo- Forge Born Re- Reveries. Upon death, your armor continues to fight, allowing you to fight for an additional 10 seconds. During mm-hmm. this time, your damage and healing done is reduced by 50%, and you cannot receive healing. So basically, um, you become a ghost in armor, and you keep fighting. Whoa. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I would like to see what that looks like in, in- Yeah, I, re- I bet you it's just a, you know, kind of like the, the thing from beyond... Yeah. Type thing. But that's, listen, that's cool. Fighting for an additional 10 seconds, I mean, 50% reduction in damage and healing. But the reality is, sometimes 10 seconds is all it takes. You know what I mean? Like, you're DPSing. Our group has definitely wiped on like 0% before on bosses. So if like we have a couple of Necrolords in our thing and they're like extra 10 seconds at 50% less damage is still going to kill the boss because it still gets us that like, you know, last little tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's still a win. Win's still a win. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. This is what I think is actually kind of cute, Dana, about this particular path. Like let's say you're a, a DPS that you're not you don't have tanking responsibilities and so you can take this guy a lot of these other abilities are definitely dps relevant for this guy the second to last row there's runeforge spurs which improves your improves your mounted movement speed and it boosts a little bit more if you get hit but then there's bonesmith satchel where you have a chance to obtain a satchel of the preferred or in gems when you kill an enemy that yields experience or honor. Now I don't know what the drop rate is on that, but I would presume like if you were going through like an M zero dungeon where you're killing a lot of dudes, or maybe your gear level is high enough that you can solo those things yourself, being able to just go through and just incidentally get a bunch of those bags. I don't know what the drop rate's going to be or what's going to be in them, but that just seems super awesome to me. And the fact that it's on a level that, like, if you're in a raid or something like that where you really aren't mounting up all that often, so that 5% mount speed isn't really going to make a difference, that just feels like all gravy for that character, you know? Definitely. Like, this feels like, man, I'm going to love running LFR on my warrior. Where I don't need mount speed, but I'm definitely going to be in on killing a lot of mobs. Right. Or at least I would presume. What do you think about these soul binds? These are cool. Very situational. Yeah, 
I was going to say, and they're, they're similar enough where like, I feel like they're more interchangeable than the other ones. Like the Venthyrs were very specific. Like there was definitely one for throughput. There was definitely one for survivability and tanking. And there was definitely one for like those kind of creature comforts and quality of life improvements. And like Mm -hmm. all three of these kind of have all of that, which Mm -hmm. is kind of cool. So it's like, they become a little bit more, situation specific so it's just like you know if you're running a mythic plus you want to go this way if you're running a raid you want to do this if you want to do pvp you want to do this if you're just world questing go here Mm -hmm. instead of just being like you know this is the way that i play wow so this is the one that i have to take type of deal i think what's interesting is like with venthyr it's like what is your job that determines what what soul bind you should be using whereas this one it definitely is like what kind of com like what kind of content are you participating in be it world questing or raiding or mythic plusing or pvp whereas before it's like what is your role like are you the tank are you the dps whatever and or what do you need most help with whereas here it's doing things a little bit differently which i actually think is kind of interesting so it will be it'll be really interesting to you know, finish the night fay next week and then really kind of go back over all of them. And, you know, obviously we're going to have to rank them because this is a podcast, but being able to talk about them to figure out what roles would need, what will be a whole lot of fun. So that is the covenant stuff. We decided to take to put the analytical stuff right up front because that's what some of the stuff that people really wanted to hear. But we got some news to talk about because they they just, well, you know what, before I spoil it, Dana, what just happened (laughs) that is uh, pretty, uh, pretty awesome and means that you're probably right on a few things? Uh, They put the pre-patch in PTR. What does that mean for somebody that that is not hip to the lingo? So basically the pre-patch is kind of the patch that goes out that is the precursor to an expansion launch. So it is kind of the the bridge of both expansions, the current, the future. So usually it involves a lot of the, like, preemptive class changes, and there's usually some type of event that kind of, like, builds the storyline to make the new expansion make sense and everything. So with this patch um, coming to the PTR, it means that, people can actually play this now and give feedback and they can kind of watch and sim and figure out how things are really looking before they pull everything live. It's like the beta of the beta, essentially. Um, And in this pre-patch, we get the level squish, we get that new starting area, all the customization options for hair and facial features and eye color and all that. And then there's the invasion. And also the ability to just straight up change your character's gender every day. Right. Pretty much whenever you want, which I think is kind of cool. I don't know how often I'll use it, but (laughs) the fact that it's no longer a paid option is kind of a nice update. And I really love some of the customization options definitely going to be using those on many of my characters. Oh, for sure. Now that like with the fact that there's way more customization options, every time I change my transmog, you bet your butt I'm going to be changing my hair color and my eye color and flowers on my hair and the decals on my tail. You yep, that's happening. Yo, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but usually this pre-patch means that the expansion's coming. Like, usually there's a timeline that's involved with pre-patch coming to, to PTR. Mm-hmm. 
And so previously, you predicted that we were getting the expansion in November. Yep. And this looks like we're on that timeline. They haven't announced it, but the fact that the pre-patch is on the player test realms, that's what PTR stands for, for those uh, casual fans listening, that really does mean that we're right on target. Yeah. So non-WoW-related news, but is actually related to this November thing, when we talked about when we thought the expansion was coming, one of my biggest fears was that it, within a couple of weeks' time, I was going to have a WoW expansion, a PlayStation 5 release, and an Xbox Series X release. I don't have to worry about that anymore, <laughs> because this past week, Microsoft delayed Halo Halo Infinite. So as a result, I have nothing to play an Xbox Series X on. So as a result, we are electing not to buy one, which means, number one, I don't have to find a way to convince my wife to let me spend money on a $500 console. Spoilers, that was going to be challenging. But I also don't have to cover two console launches and a WoW expansion in two weeks. Which uh, I am way happier to hear about one console and a WoW expansion, especially since I have help for the WoW expansion because, sure. you know, teamwork. That, that was the big news. And by the time people listen to this, we'll, we'll probably know even more, which is, uh, which is awesome. But I want to talk about the some uh, some of our like world of warcraft experiences over the last couple of weeks specifically dana i don't know if i told you i started my warrior you mentioned that you started your warrior and that's like a big thing for you because you i don't think you've ever had one before i have never i mean i think i played a warrior on horde or whatever as a joke and leveled it up to like level 10 or something but I would like to point out that right now, if you are listening and you want to level an alt, double experience is stupid. It's true. (laughs) And I, especially if you are an efficient quester, started a dwarf shaman a while back, and I feel like my warrior is leveling faster. And I think part of that is because the quests in the night elf zone are just closer together. So I really do feel like I'm rolling in and just absolutely crushing these zones and, you know, kill, you know, and I'll ding from killing all the mobs and then I'll go back and I will, uh, (laughs) literally go turn in the quests and the quests will ding me. So I'll gain two levels from like one quest hub. Which is insanity, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not saying that this is like new main material. That's crazy talk. But I'm really enjoying this warrior thing. I made myself a night elf warrior, so he, you know, he does the flippy stuff. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's fun. I can understand. I can understand why people would be down with this warrior shenanigans. And I've never had a night elf warrior. I've never. I, the only night elf I have is my demon hunter, and that's because I was required to do so. Because obviously, only night elves can be uh, demon hunters. And I know you don't like warriors, but night elves are night elves are a cool character model. They're very big. <laughs> they are. This is true. They are. Drew and I are pretty big too, which is why I kind of I really like my shaman. But I think my druid is a night elf. Yeah. 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 It's been, uh, it has been, I think I'm level, you know, I, I don't even know. Um, I am, I don't know why I can't just find out because I, 
had World of Warcraft open. So the I've, I've probably played the character for eight hours, probably. Like I really just put some. There was one evening where I like sat down at like eight thirty after the kids were mostly settled down, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna muscle my way through this character. And so he is level 36. Now, it just so happens that he is a plate wearer. So he has the advantage of the fact that I have all the heirlooms. So he's got like almost the full plate set. And he is dual wielding two Arcanite Reapers, which I just want to be real. There is nothing as a vanilla player dual wielding two Arcanite Reapers is just messed up. <laughs> and I just kill things so fast. It's so crazy. So he is definitely finding his way into my heart as, uh, you know, one of, I, again, not I'm not going for three mains here, but I have a feeling that I will be using him quite heavily for various shenanigans and chicanery in the next expansion because I kind of dig him. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. You know, it's 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 fun finding an alt that you like. Yeah, I I still have a really hard time picking like a first alt. I have my like nostalgia alt. I have the alt I wish I loved, and then I have all of the other ones. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I have this will be my seventh character, and obviously I have to have eight and nine because I need rogue and um, death knight as part of the, as part of the shenanigans. Mm. But that is our podcast. So it's, it's interesting. And I'm sure other people have these same discussions, right? So I'm sure our listeners will have their own opinions on how they choose what characters they do stuff with and how I am. So I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts because that'll be, you know, kind of fun to talk about. So I think we did it. Yeah. I think we made it. Yeah. This has been ep- we. So, would you believe me, Dana, if I told you that this was episode six? I of- didn't believe you in the beginning before we started talk- like actually recording. You were like, "Oh, episode six. and I was like, "Really?" You were like, "Yeah, yes. episode six. And we had to really think about it. And I was like, "Oh my god, we've actually done six already." Six episodes. How crazy is that? Everybody, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to our show as much as Dana and I enjoyed recording it. And that would be a lot because this is one of the highlights of my week, Dana. So thank you very much for joining me. I was very nervous in the beginning when I asked if you would want to be on a podcast with me. I honestly thought you were going to say no. But uh, this has, like I said, turned into one of the highlights of my week. And I hope that it has turned into a highlight for our listeners as well. So for those of you that are wondering, the podcast feed that you are on is the Engage Family Gaming Podcast feed. That is a website I run with a number of other parents where we talk about games for families to play together. We view WoW, I view WoW as a casual experience that you can definitely share with your kids. I'm going to have my son, Evan, on here at some point to talk about his experiences. And as you can hear my children in the background while I am signing off, <laughs> this is uh, so if you if you like what we do here and maybe you care about other games. Thank you for downloading them, but maybe listen to some of those other shows too, because I do a whole bunch of other stuff. So y'all have yourselves a great night. We will see you next week. And until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.